0: Hey everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of The Grind. Yes, I am back from vacation. I want to apologize, we did not get an episode of Game Face out this week. Unfortunately, Matt is really busy right now. He's unable to do it during the week, he's unable to do it during the weekend. In fact, he's busy up until Monday. So, Game Face is going to get back on schedule on Tuesday at 1pm Pacific, 4pm Eastern. We'll be back live on Twitch with a full episode. However... I didn't want to leave you guys hanging for too long. So here I am with an episode of The Grind. I have three games that I've been playing, and I want to talk to you guys about them right now. The first game I want to talk to you guys about is a game that you might be playing right now, depending on your buying habits. Um... The game is Call of Duty Vanguard. It's currently in open beta, although it's only really open if you're a PlayStation owner, meaning if you have a PS4 or a PS5, you can jump in and play the beta right now. If you are a PC or Xbox player, if you've pre-ordered the game, then you're also in the beta right now. I think the open beta for everyone is next weekend. Don't quote me on that. Uh, But I have been playing the beta a good bit. Uh, I've been playing through all the modes. uh, And I got to say... I feel kind of mixed on it overall. First of all, downloading the beta and playing the beta is not all that easy, particularly if you participated in the alpha a few weeks ago. I had problems getting the beta to launch. It kept trying to launch the old alpha instead. Um, I eventually found like a separate link for the beta somewhere else. I ended up having to install it and un- uninstall it like three times before I got it to work. I did finally get it to work. There is a gaggle of modes, and pretty much, I wouldn't say the entire multiplayer suite is available, but a big chunk of it is, at least enough to really get a good idea of whether you're going to be into it or not. Uh, Let's start going through some of the details on this. First of all, the modes that you're able to play, there's a few classics and a couple more interesting options. Uh, You get Team Deathmatch, there's Domination, there's Kill Confirmed, and there's two kind of more obscure variants. The first is search and destroy it's not that obscure basically you're planting explosives and defending them and if you're on the defending team you're trying to keep them from planting the explosives nothing out of the ordinary probably the coolest one though is called patrol and it is a it's a capture and hold variant however the capture point is constantly moving around the map it never stops it's almost like it's a it's like the sunlight slowly moving across the map. It's a, ca- a circular zone. You have to be in the zone with a certain number of players to have captured it. And as you're capturing it, you gain points. Now, obviously, while you're doing that, you're a sitting duck for kill streaks. So, um, if you're if you're using an aerial kill streak, it's very easy to roll up the kills in this mode because you just look for where the uh, capture zone is and just drop your ordnance right on it. Um, It's a little frustrating, and I will say this. The capture zone repeats pretty quickly, and within a couple minutes, it kind of has made its full loop and is back at the point that it was before. Uh, But it is different, and it does kind of force you to use all different parts of the map, which a lot of modes in Call of Duty do not do. Um, So I would say it's the most interesting. I would also say it's probably not the most fun of the modes that are on offer in the beta. One other interesting thing about this beta is that every mode so far is only for 6 player teams. So, if you're a big fan of the Battlefield franchise, you're used to massive matches, uh, 32 on 32, or 64 against 64, you're going to be a little disappointed. I kind of like how intimate it is so far, and again, this is just the beta, so there probably are modes coming where, you know, you can play with much bigger uh, teams. Uh, but for right now in the beta, it's just six versus six. Let's see. Let's start going through some of the details that they've included in this so far. Um, killstreaks. Most of the killstreaks so far that they are in the game are pretty common. Some of them are renamed uh, killstreaks from other games. Um, you get, like, and they have to because it's set during World War II. But there are two that I think are worthy of mention. One is called the Flame Knot where you basically get a flamethrower and a crazy armor suit. Um, And once you die, you lose both of those. And then the other one is the Attack Dogs. They have been altered a little bit. It used to be it was just like one German Shepherd that would go out and attack, or it was one Rottweiler. Now you have a crew of three Dobermans that go out looking uh, for enemies and will jump up and kill them. Um, Another thing that has returned that some people may or may not be happy about is there are field upgrades once again. Um, So far what we've seen is there is a supply box, there are armor plates, there's a field mic, and then really the coolest one is this little Goliath mini tank that you can get. It spawns and you send it out. It travels really slowly, so it's not like it's OP, but you can travel it out and then you can detonate it. It's kind of like a more durable, slower version of the RCXD, um, but it's... It's harder to get kills with it, so what I found is a lot of times I just wait and sit it around a corner, and when an enemy runs around the corner, I detonate it for the surprise. Uh, one thing I will say is the blast zone for it is bigger than the RCXD, uh, but again, it's not as fast. You can't jump like you can with the RCXD, it's a lot more deliberate. But again, they have to kind of tweak stuff so it makes sense for the World War II setting that the game takes place in. Uh, let's see, talk, let's talk about weapons. Again, it's set during World War II, and they found kind of different ways to get around the fact that there weren't, like, red dot sights back in World War II. Uh, you still get red, a red dot sight and scopes and things like that. They've just kind of found a way to jigger with the technology that was available during uh, World War II to make it uh, to make it work inside the games. The pick 10 system returns from uh, pretty much every other Call of Duty before this one. Uh, Basically, you can attach up to 10 different things on your weapon. I have not seen any sort of wild cards so far that let you kind of get a little more granular with how you build out your weapons. Uh, But so far, uh, 10 slots, that's plenty. Uh, One thing I've noticed with the guns is when you start, maybe it only has like three different slots. As you level up the gun, then more slots are unlocked, which is a little weird. Uh, But ultimately, they found a way to get you to ten different upgrades that you can attach to each weapon. Let's talk about the gunplay, the gameplay. Um, The thing that you actually feel while you're shooting. This is where, to me, the game doesn't feel quite right. And I'll say this too. Um, Black Ops Cold War, when I played its beta, didn't feel great to me either, and I felt like before they got to the final release, they kind of tweaked it to the point where it felt a lot better. So I'm not saying that what, what I'm feeling from this game right now is the way it's going to be when it releases on November 5th, but I will say that I do not think the guns feel good right now. Uh, a big part of it may be that I've just not completely upgraded my guns, that could help, um, but when you're on the base sort of level of each gun and maybe you have like three attachments the guns feel very weak And I also feel like there's a little bit of a detachment between uh, What I'm seeing and what I'm feeling uh, also the audio For the guns just doesn't have like a punch to it like there's no sub in a lot of the weapons like meaning subwoofer sounds um, I don't know it just feels a little anemic to me and it doesn't help either that the guns themselves are from World War 2 and organically just have less impact uh, than the modern weapons that we're used to playing in a lot of other Call of Duty games. Uh, So so far the weapons have felt weird to me Um, and again a lot of Call of Duty is finding that weapon that feels right, what's its spray pattern. Um, should you use a burst fire, or should, should you squeeze the trigger? What's the best way to use those weapons? I'll get better at that stuff as I play the game more. Uh, but as of right now, where I'm sitting right now, I do not like the feel of the guns. Traversal has pretty much been kept in line with Cold War. You have a slide. It feels like the slide takes a little longer to initiate, but you also slide a little further and a little longer, Um, Again, it took me a few matches before I got used to it again, you have the basic clamoring stuff that you got in the last couple of Call of Duties, you can also attach your weapon to door jams and things like that uh, to shoot more accurately and apply, I believe there's more damage, I'm not 100% sure on that, it always feels like it's that way when I play the Call of Duty games and I mount my gun, it feels like it does more damage, but it's probably just that the shots are actually landing where I'm aiming. Um, what else do I have to say about it? The maps, there's like four or five maps in it so far. Um, again, you really don't know how good maps are until you've played them like a hundred times. And I don't feel like I've played enough of these maps to really know just how good or bad they are. I feel like they're interesting so far. Um, there are a lot of kind of pathways that double back. So I have found myself getting shot in the back and from the side a lot. Um, but I've also found that, at least so far... I get more kills if I just camp. I hate, I hate to say it because everyone hates campers. I generally hate campers. But because there are so many pathways in this game and there's so many nooks and crannies, I've really found that if I just sit on the side and let people run around like idiots, like I get a lot more kills that way. Cold War was kind of that way. Uh, again, there's only like four or five maps in this. So, you know, as we play more and we see different designs and some that are more asymmetrical or mirrored, Um, Then maybe that changes, but as of right now, I do feel like camping is rewarded a lot (sighs) I don't know. I've played it for a couple days now And I'm kind of burning out on it. Maybe when they add another map or something or a new mode It'll make a difference and I'll come back to it Um, People are saying that there's a lot of cheating in the beta. I haven't seen a lot of that They're supposed to put anti-cheat in this although Activision has said already that it's not in there yet Uh, It's not in there for the beta people are saying folks are cheating I have not seen it yet, like I saw in Cold War, which honestly made me quit playing Cold War. Um, So anyway, uh, that's pretty much the rundown on what's in the beta. Again, if you have a PS4 or a PS5, you can download it right now, and you can start playing. And if you've pre-ordered it on Xbox or PC, you should have got a code for the beta, and you can play it on those platforms as well. Uh, And then finally, to wrap it up, the game does come out on November 5th for all platforms all right next i want to talk about a game that has been getting some praise in the press not a lot of people have covered it actually but the people that have have really i feel like been generous to it and sort of claim that it's one of those sleeper hits uh, that you might want to pay attention to that game is called cruisin blast it is the first game in the cruisin franchise in i believe like eight or nine years Uh, Cruisin' used to be kind of a big deal It was a big arcade franchise Then Cruisin' USA was released on the N64 And it kind of had a little bit of a run there Where it was kind of the Arcade-style racing game On the market and in the arcades Uh, It since has disappeared And in fact, the arcade racing genre in general Has pretty much disappeared since then Um, Arcade racers Like, there are arcade-style racers But what we call arcade racers now Are nothing like what arcade racers were in the 90s Now we call, like forza horizon or an arcade style racer. Cruise and Blast is OG arcade style racer. It is insane. And that's the first thing I would say is that if you miss kind of these wacky, over the top, you never know what's going to happen racing games from like the 90s, this fits the bill pretty nicely. It is nuts. <laughs> there are There are dinosaurs that will stomp on you while you're driving around the course. There's one course where there's two yetis like fighting each other. Um, There's tons of moments in this where the world just kind of collapses from underneath the car and your car just goes falling down into these pits. It is nuts. It is certifiably nuts. I had a really good time with this game at first and then it kind of wears out its welcome pretty quickly. Um, let's get to some of the details on this. I know some of you guys might be interested because reviews for it have been pretty freaking high. Um, it is based off of the arcade game from 2017. Again, that was the first entry in Cruisin' for almost a decade. Um, you have takedowns in the game where you can run other cars off the road and they explode, and it looks very much like the takedowns that you've seen in some of EA and Criterion's racing games. Um, there's a tur- You have the ability to use turbo. There's tricks that you can pull off. Uh, when you go up a jump, you can do kind of like backflips. Um, and then there's power sliding. The power sliding is very, very generous in this game. You just tap like the R1, the, the right shoulder button, and the cars just kind of lock onto a rail and go around the turn kind of all on their own. In fact, this game in general is kind of on autopilot. It really doesn't punish you for messing up at all. Um, you can crash into the guardrails or other cars, and your car just kind of does this weird like 360 spin thing, but it doesn't really slow down. And I think honestly, the game is fun. I'll just get that out there right now. My first few races, I had a blast with this game, Cruise and blast. It's appropriately named. Uh, my first few races uh, when I played this game, I was just like almost overwhelmed because there's just stuff going on all over the place. Like there's one course where there's like a donut that breaks free from a donut shop and it keeps rolling through the course and you end up jumping through it like three different times. Uh, There's a race course that takes place in London and like a big wheel breaks off and you end up driving through the wheel as it rolls through the course at different parts of it. It is just, it is over the top at a level you have not seen since like 1996. If you miss those crazy old arcade racers that just did not give a crap about how realistic they were or weren't, this is going to be right in your wheelhouse um there are just five tracks well let's say this there's five environments in the game and then they they rework each one to get several tracks out of each environment but it does feel rather repetitive i I feel like after a very short amount of time now we'll say this there are lots of branching paths on the tracks and some of the branching paths are like more exciting than the main path so it is worth kind of racing them over and over again to kind of uncover some of the cooler areas in a lot of the game's tracks. But ultimately, there are just five tracks with different variations on each one. Um, And then as far as the modes are concerned, there aren't many. Uh, There's like a tour mode where there's six different tours with four races each. It's kind of like the Grand Prix mode in Mario Kart. Uh, If you're familiar with that, that's kind of how it works. And then there's like time trials. And then there's split-screen multiplayer, but there is no online Multiplayer. I, thats its To me, that's inexcusable. To release a racing game, no matter what kind of racing game it is, in 2021 and not have online multiplayer, I mean, there are little dinky indie racing games that have online multiplayer. There's no excuse for that. And it hurts the game big time. Because as I said, there are only five tracks. Within like 90 minutes of playing this, because the other thing too is each lap, each race lasts like 90 seconds. So within like 90 minutes or two hours, you've pretty much Seen everything that this game has to offer. It runs out of fun pretty quickly. Um, you can upgrade your cars as you race with the same car. You get points, and then at first it's just for cosmetics like neon and stuff like that. But eventually you can unlock new weapons if you really stick with the new cars. But that's hard to do because you're unlocking wacky vehicles in this game. Like there's a fire truck, and like eventually you unlock like a dragon and a dinosaur. Uh, there's like a Triceratops that you unlock eventually um, and it does kind of goad you away from the more traditional cars that you kind of start with um, but if you want you can stick with the cars and they are upgraded over time Um you can also purchase new cars or new animals as it were uh, by collecting keys as you race through the different, uh, mat- the, different the different tracks and as I said branching paths again are everywhere and if you want to collect those keys you're going to have to explore all the branching paths you're going to need to play the tracks over and over again um the gra- from a technical perspective the graphics are awful even from an artistic perspective i think they're terrible um, they're just very garish and gaudy like there's <laughs> there's been no care given to whether the colors on each track are complementary or whether they work together They've just decided to throw every effect at this game that they can, every color that they can. Everything's way too shiny. It's it's rough on the eyes. But there's really cool stuff built into the visuals as well. Again, no holds barred here. The tracks are constantly exploding, breaking apart. You're racing through the legs of dinosaurs. You're racing through the legs of yetis as they try to smash you as you drive by. Again, this is a racer from a forgotten age that maybe in some people's opinion, maybe better left forgotten. Um, but I will say this: it does, it does scratch that nostalgia itch. And I am an older player, obviously, and I went through this whole era of crazy arcade racers, and I was reared in the arcades where these racers come from. And it did feel good to play this game for a little while. But I, the problem is, it's just not built for the long haul. Uh, between The fact that there's really no nuance to the racing. You feel like you're kind of on autopilot. Um, The AI isn't very difficult. You kind of figure out how to win each race eventually. Uh, Not by manipulating the AI. You just kind of learn when to use your turbo to come ahead at the very end of the race to make sure that you win. The lack of uh, online multiplayer. There's only split-screen multiplayer. That really cuts into the game's long-term prospects. And ultimately, I would be cool with this if the game were like $15 or $20 because that's really what it deserves to be priced at. That's what I would pay for it. It's way more than that, Uh, and it's a shame uh, because it is fun and I do feel like this game needs to reach more people than it's probably going to reach, but ultimately it's hard to recommend as a purchase, so be careful. Listening or watching a lot of the reviews that are out there about this game, Cruising Blast, it puts up a really great first impression, but it really just has problems holding up over the long haul. All right, the next game we're going to talk about, we may actually discuss on Tuesday as well. So, some of the things I'm about to say may be a little bit redundant with the next episode of Game Face, depending on whether Matt has played it or not and how much of it he's played. And that is Life is Strange True Colors. The next full installment in the life is strange franchise if you remember it is i think some people argue that it was kind of a groundbreaking point and click adventure game Uh, looking back on the first one i would probably agree with that i enjoyed it a lot and i kind of lost my verve for and clicks at that point so it did reinvigorate my interest in it and i would argue even more than like the walking dead did Uh, So it does have some of a pedigree to live up to. This is a brand new entry in the franchise. There's no continuations from the plots from prior games at all. It starts all over fresh and new. So the plot centers around a young Asian American girl who has come through the foster system. Um, She has been on her own for quite a while, but she has a brother who got out of the foster system years and years before her. In fact, I think it was like eight years that they've been separated. Uh, She finally comes of age and is out of the foster system and is an adult and can decide what she wants to do. She reconnects with her brother who is living in a small town in Colorado, and she moves out there. Uh, she moves out there to move in with him, but there's trepidation there. She doesn't know if she's really going to stay there permanently until she kind of gets there and uh, gets the lay of the land. So she comes to the small town. Her brother is, I wouldn't say he's a legend in the town, but everyone in the town loves him. He works at the local bar. Um, everybody knows him. Everyone respects him. Everyone loves him. And he's a good dude. And he ingratiates her into his home, gives her his home, in fact, because he is already kind of living with his fiance. And so his place, he basically just gives to the sister, the protagonist from the game. And um, she moves into this place above the bar where he works, eventually where she ends up working as well. And the game starts out, you're kind of just meeting everyone from the town, figuring out sort of the, I don't know how to put it, the the socio-political landscape of the town. Meeting the key players from the town. There is a company ...that kind of supports the whole town... ...that runs a mine right outside of town... Um, ...they're a bit mysterious... ...they are mining... ...like uranium... ...like nuclear material... Uh, ...and there's... ...I don't know... ...at least at first it appears that there's something shady going on... ...with the mine and the company running the mine... Um, ...so eventually she settles in... ...she decides that she likes it... ...in this little Colorado town... ...and she's gonna put her roots down... ...and so she starts meeting people... ...she starts making friends... And then there is a horrible accident. And I don't want to spoil too much. I will say this, in a lot of reviews I've read, they have spoiled it. Um, And so maybe you already know what it is, but I don't want to spoil it here. There is a tragedy that takes place. It sends everything into chaos. It sends the whole town into chaos. Um, And as the sister who just moved into town, and kind of having this fresh perspective on everything, you are suspicious of what happened and how it happened and why it happened now this is life is strange and as you know every protagonist in life is strange has some kind of special power and that's no different here her special power is that she's an empath meaning she can sense the emotions of other people and eventually you come to learn that not only can she sense their emotions she can kind of enter their psyche and change their emotions so if someone is really scared or they have a lot of anxiety and they're about to have a panic attack she can kind of go into their minds and present them with things that will help them calm down or will help them become happier if they're depressed things like that so she has the ability to basically mess with people's heads And that's how she starts to uncover the mystery behind what happens with the tragedy. One thing I really like about True Colors is that it explores territory that a lot of other games are afraid to explore, or just really haven't. Um, One thing that comes to mind is there's an elderly woman who runs a flower shop in town, and you discover that she has Alzheimer's, or the beginning of Alzheimer's, or dementia. One sort of mission that you have to accomplish is you... Go into the flower shop, and you have to help her retrace her steps during the day to figure out what she should be doing now. Um, so you you investigate her computer back in the office. You look at some photos. You uh, you look at some some things that are in the register, and you kind of figure out, oh, okay, she was supposed to create uh, this bouquet for this event that's happening in town. Uh, you don't see a lot of games that tackle this kind of material and I will say this too I, I don't know anyone personally who suffers from Alzheimer's or dementia um, and so I can't relate to it personally but I will say this it feels like they handle it very very well with kids gloves and it's emotional even, even as someone who hasn't dealt with this personally and I hope I never do um, but even as someone who hasn't really dealt with this personally it it got me um, because you understand how, fr- how they handle it you understand how frustrating it must be for this person to have to suffer this, and not just the person, but the people who love her and care about her as well. One thing I would say about True Colors is that I don't feel like there's a whole lot of gameplay and interactivity. There's a lot of walking around, a lot of talking, and look, I do get, this is a point and click adventure game. I've played the other Life is Strange games, there's less interactivity in this than there are in the other ones. There's less puzzle solving than there are in the other ones. The bulk of the game really is just kind of walking around, talking to people, getting the lay of the land. Uh, there, I will say this though too. There are a lot more decisions that matter in this. And by matter, a lot of them don't play out until the very end of the game. They're just asking you to make a lot more decisions. And at the, at the end of each chapter, in life, in true life of strange uh, fashion, you get to see how everyone else's selections and see if you kind of are falling in line with what most people have selected or if you're kind of falling outside the mean. Uh, kind of gives you that framework. Um, but look, point and click adventure games are generally not very interactive, but this one really pushes the envelope of that. And I think it doesn't help either that her power is the empath power because basically all you do is hold a trigger, and if you can impact or affect a person an icon will pop up above their head you hold the button that matches the icon and it just kind of happens so the interactivity i feel like in this has been dialed back a great deal Um, it can feel like just an interactive movie at times versus a video game Uh, but it does tell a great story the characters are all very well developed they're all very well voice acted they're all very believable There are some plot points that are a little hard to accept at times where you're like, okay, like, you have to suspend disbelief at a couple points in the story. There are a couple characters that act a little over the top. Um, And there are technical issues in this game, too. This game literally takes place on, like, for the most part, on one little street. Just a little stretch of a downtown in this backwoods Colorado town. And yet the frame rate just tanks if you go outside. There's one rooftop that you can go to and overlook the whole town and literally the frame rate i felt like dropped down to like 10 frames per second Uh, there are other technical issues i've had characters snap into t poses sometimes when you go to walk into a building there'll be a weird like flash frame that happens while you're walking into buildings Uh, the other thing too is that this game is not really priced like an indie game so in the past we might have given a Uh, We might have let it slide a little bit for some of this stuff. It's not really that cheap anymore, and so expectations go up a little bit for it. And I feel like it doesn't deliver on its price in some of those regards. Uh, But one thing I will say that I like about it a lot is that it's all there. There's no, like, playing one chapter and then waiting three months to play another chapter. They're all right there. You can play them all in order. Um, And, again, to the point about the price of the game... It's not especially long. You do realize when you play the whole thing back to back to back to back that it's just not really all that long. And again, it's priced higher than prior games in the series, so the expectations there go up a little bit. The playtime that you're getting per dollar is a little tough, and then, I don't want to spoil too much, but I will say that it doesn't seem like the different outcomes may make it worth playing again. I don't know. Um, But anyway, I have a feeling Matt's going to play this and he's going to want to talk about it on Tuesday. So I don't want to talk about it too much because I want to leave some stuff that I've discovered about the game for my discussion with Matt. But those are my impressions uh, that I'm willing to share right now about Life is Strange True Colors. All right, that's it for the grind. We'll see you guys on Tuesday for the first full episode of Game Face since I left for vacation. I want to thank all you guys for your patience while I was gone. It was great to get away and press the reset button for a little bit to honestly just do nothing and kick my feet up. I did not play a single video game. I only connected to the internet to handle like publishing Pactor Factor and Game Pass or Fail. Um, and it did suck because my mom has DSL. DSL is terrible. Like, it's so bad. Like, stuff that should have taken me, like, five minutes would end up taking me, I'm not exaggerating, like, two and a half or three hours. It was that bad. But anyway, I'm back. I had a good vacation. It was nice to kick my feet up for a week or so. Uh, and thank you for your patience. But we're back. We're ready to rock into Q4. We'll see you for Game Face on Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash Games. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you then.